Thanks for tuning in to this BGSM podcast. My name is Liam West. I'm a junior doctor in the Oxfordshire Deanery and I'm a member of the BGSM editorial team. My guest today is Dr. Ben Clarson. Ben is a physiotherapist with a background working in professional cycling and now is working at the Norwegian Olympic Programme. He also works at the Oslo Sports Trauma Research Centre, where he's recently successfully defended his PhD thesis on surveillance methods for overuse injuries in sport. So thanks for joining us, Ben. Thanks, Liam. Okay, so you're doing some great work with the Norwegian Olympic Programme. Can you take our listeners through this and what it entails? Sure. Uh, my role at what's called Olympia Toppen, which is our elite sports program in Norway, is really a part of the team working towards prevention of illness and injuries across the board, across the whole Olympic program. Of course, each of our individual sports have their own injury and illness prevention strategies, but we have a couple of things that we do across every sport and uh, both the Olympic and Paralympic team. Uh, The first thing we do is a periodic health evaluation that we do once a year, but in between those evaluations we also follow up with continuous surveillance or monitoring, uh, which is what I think we should focus on today. Uh, We do the monitoring unlike normal surveillance where we think it's mostly about data collection or mostly about research methods. Actually, the main goal that we have when we do our surveillance is to improve the medical support of our athletes here and now. So not for future generations or not data collection or primary prevention in the future, but actually just optimizing the communication between athletes and their medical staff. So the idea is is to create a safety net of information so that in the event of any kind of new illness or new injury, it doesn't go too long before everyone knows about it. And we're working on the principle that early identification of small problems can stop them becoming big ones, so early action. It's really the principle of secondary prevention. Of course, we're interested in collecting data as well, and that's our secondary aim. And we're, we're collecting data both for resource allocation within the Olympic program and as well to collect information that can help in future primary prevention programs and our season review that we that we conduct of course. So we want to identify things like which are the main injuries and illnesses affecting which which athletes in which groups, what's the consequences or severity of the problems that we're that we are encountering and of course what times of the year or times of the season are, are these occurring most. The methods that we use for surveillance are quite different to the standard approach to injury surveillance. So I think when we think of injury surveillance, we often think of a typical league situation in team sports where there is a number of teams in a a league that have relatively dedicated medical staff or permanent medical staff that are capturing illnesses and injuries as they occur and then reporting them into some kind of centralised database. But we have a kind of special situation or a difficult, challenging situation where we have a vast number of different, very different sports. I think at last count it was about 40 sports within our Olympic and Paralympic programs. And they range from one athlete to a great many athletes. And the level of medical coverage varies very much between the different, different programs. But there's only a handful that actually have dedicated medical staff that follow, follow them all year. More likely they have physios and doctors that are with them at the most important times of the year, such as the World Championships or the Olympic Games. But in between those times, the athletes are training with their clubs or perhaps with professional teams. 
the other major challenge is that our athletes are spread not over not only all over Norway but all over the whole world at any given point. So conducting surveillance on our group is particularly challenging. So the first step that we have to do in order to be able to conduct our surveillance is to create an Olympic medical team that is a group of physiotherapists and doctors that are dedicated towards following our Olympic programs and normally this is done in the lead up towards an Olympic Games. So around about one and a half to two years prior to the Games we will get together a group that are dedicated clinicians to following our athletes towards the Olympics. Not all of these clinicians end up going to the Games but I think the most important work is actually done in the preparation time not at the games themselves so we get together this medical team and it's an important principle of this surveillance that we only bring athletes into the program once there is a physio and a doctor that have the responsibility for their follow-up but this this we manage and then if you consider the traditional approach to surveillance we could call this a passive approach where an athlete needs to approach the medical staff with a new problem before it's recorded. So the medical staff are there doing their normal clinical work and they just record all conditions that satisfy a certain criteria and report that into a project coordinator or a central data, centralized database. But what we use is what we would call an active surveillance system where we actually directly approach our athletes once a week with a standardized questionnaire that is designed to pick up all sorts of medical problems, so everything from illnesses, acute injuries, overuse injuries, psychological problems, what have you. I'm the, the coordinator of this project, so then I'll gather in all our athletes' responses to the questionnaires and create a summary report that then goes out to all the medical staff in our Olympic program. So that if you were the doctor for a particular team, you would receive a summary of all your athletes' reports once a week from me in, in the form of a standardised report. Then, of course, any new conditions or conditions that aren't fully under control are followed up in a normal clinical sense. But in the course of the normal clinical follow-up, the team doctors and physiotherapists are then gathering a bit more information and standardised uh, classification and, and diagnosing of the various problems, which are then reported back into the central database at regular intervals. So in order to be able to do this, we really needed to develop a questionnaire that we thought would pick up all sorts of problems and all, you know, even the minor, the minor stuff, which we're also very interested in capturing. And what we did was we actually modified a questionnaire that we've developed for research purposes at the Oslo Sports Trauma Research Centre that we developed for monitoring the consequences of overuse injuries in, in sport. But we found that it is, with a slight change of wording, it actually works quite well to capture all types of medical problems. And that questionnaire is really based on four key questions that everyone gets every week. And they're quite similar. The first one is about participation. So have you had any difficulties participating in normal training or competition due to some kind of health problem? The second question asks about reductions in training volume. So to what extent have you reduced your training volume due to a health problem? The third question is about performance. So to what extent do you feel that your performance has been affected? And the fourth question is asking about symptoms. So in effect, we're, we're almost asking the same question in four slightly different ways. And if athletes 
answer the minimum values and no problem four four different times, then of course we're we're quite sure that they don't have a problem that week. So for them, the questionnaire is finished and it takes around about 20 seconds to get to that point. But if they record any type of problem, even mild symptoms, then we go on and it asks, uh, is it an illness or an injury we're talking about? If it's an illness, what are the main symptoms? And if it's an injury, what's the location? Then we want to know who knows about it. Is it being treated already and by whom? And also there's a chance for athletes to send comments to their medical Olympic medical team, which is actually quite a handy function as well when they're traveling and, and uh, not in regular contact. Now, if they only have one health problem to report, it takes around about one and a half minutes. Whereas if they do have the opportunity to register several during the course of, uh, of each week. So I gather all this information from each of our athletes and then create this report that goes out to all the doctors and the physiotherapists. And I mean, typically it's, it's just a summary of the questionnaire responses and they may also want to, uh, want to provide some extra information through the comments, comments function. But one of the other things that's in the report is what we call a severity score. So this is a score that we calculate based on the responses to those four key questions in the questionnaire. And it's a score from zero to 100, which gives us some idea of the degree of consequences of a problem. So is it having minor consequences, major consequences for their participation and their performance? And although this is a subjective score, it is quite valuable in monitoring the consequences and how they vary for each athlete. So we can see whether a, a long-term or a persisting problem is getting better or worse over time. And this can be quite valuable information for the treating clinician, of course, especially when they're not in contact all the time with their athletes, as is one of our main challenges in, in the Olympic program. And we can then create quite, quite nice graphs of each athlete where we can then map out their whole medical history or their whole medical problems going back in time, which is also a very nice supplement to the medical journal, of course. Now, this is all well and good. It's, it's giving us a, a really nice map for each athlete, but we need to then consider, well, what actually, what level of detail can we get from our athletes? Now, athletes, of course, can tell us the location of injuries or the main symptoms, of, of some kind of illness and of course they can tell us the consequences on performance and the consequences on their training participation as, as they perceive it. They can tell us whether it's new and they can tell us who knows about it or whether it's being treated and, and what have you. But what they can't tell us is an accurate diagnosis and so this is a big limitation from a research or a data collection perspective. And that's why we also ask the team physicians and the team physiotherapists to then report back a much greater degree of diagnostic uh, information back into the system so that we can then collect much more accurate classifications and diagnoses for all the various problems that are reported. And actually, we, you know, this is a, I would say a big challenge to, on, for the team physicians and for the physios as well, but it, we do have a very, very high rate of completion. I think we have 94% of the cases that are reported through this system that are actually diagnosed uh, fully by our, by our medical staff. So the data that we get out of this is very interesting on an individual level where we can then map out the problems, as I said, but it also gives us interesting data on a group and on a, on a team perspective as well. So we can monitor, for example, the prevalence of injury and the prevalence of illness over time and how that fluctuates also throughout the year. So, for example, if we consider the, um, 
the data leading into the Sochi Olympic Games and the year before the Sochi Olympic Games, we had on average 20% of our athletes reporting some kind of physical complaint or injury at any given point. So this was quite surprising and quite a high, high rate. But in, at any given point, if we go into the Norwegian Olympic team, we would expect one in five athletes with some kind of physical complaint at any given point. Illness similar as well, about one in 10 athletes. So at any given point, the prevalence of illness was around 10% leading into the Sochi Games. But what was also very interesting is looking at the, the fluctuation in illness prevalence over the season, and particularly for our winter endurance athletes, where we see during their competitive winter season, the prevalence of illness was doubled. So it was around about 20% in these cross-country skiers and biathletes and speed skaters where we think have a particular problem with, uh, with infectious uh, respiratory illnesses. And then, of course, we have the prevalences mapped out for all our various programs. And we see, for example, the illness prevalences in uh, our summer endurance athletes as well is quite high, whereas in some of our other programs, uh, it's, it's not a problem at all. Uh, for example, let me see here, we have in our ice hockey team, only at any given point, only 4% of our players have any kind of illness. So for that team, they have a big injury problem. Of course, it's ice hockey, but they don't have an illness problem. So it helps us also to allocate resources and where do we devote our attention when it comes to prevention strategies. Uh, you touched upon some of the challenges. What are the crucial components to make sure it is a successful program? Obviously, this whole system success is based on good compliance from athletes. So we're going out with this weekly questionnaire and the whole system would fall down if athletes didn't want to respond to that questionnaire. So we have had actually a fantastic response from our athletes. We have uh, around about 84, 85% every week. So every time we send it out, we get a, a great response from our athletes. And you then consider, well, well, how do we achieve this? Do we force them to do it? Do we put it in their contract? Or do we kind of in one way or another tie it to their selection? Or do we try and entice them? And of course, that's that's what we're trying to do. So we're trying to make it mutually valuable for every, every party involved rather than forcing our athletes to do it. And I think, I guess, the main point with how we then create a sense of value for the athletes is to be very clear about the goals of the project. So it's not primarily about data collection. It's not about research. It's about optimizing their health. It's about action and acting on the data that they report. Of course we're scientists, of course we're trying to collect data that's interesting and may help us in the future, but that goal isn't the one that we communicate to athletes and isn't the one that we focus on. This is something that if we do a good job with everything else, we will end up with great data. But that's not the main goal and that's not the, the main focus. So for your average Olympic athlete, the incentive is quite clear. These are, these are athletes that don't have great coverage at all times. They travel often travel around the world without good medical support. They have, they, they have to relate to lots of different doctors, lots of different physiotherapists. So I think if they feel, if they report a new problem and we are very quick to follow up, we, we at least pick up the phone and, and see if we can help, see if we can offer some advice or some assistance, then the, the benefits are quite clear as long as we as the clinicians are doing the job that's expected of us in terms of the, the follow-up. A more challenging group is actually our big stars because they are well covered generally wherever they are. I'm also working with the cycling program where I've worked for, for several years with our, with our top cyclists and they're a good example because 
they're kind of superstars in a way in their own in their environments and their work some of them ride for the biggest teams in the world where there is a lot of medical support a lot of doctors a lot of physiotherapists but some of the problems are that they change teams from year to year and so they have to relate to completely new medical programs each time also in a typical professional cycling team there are rotating doctors and rotating physiotherapists so of course uh, you know the communication between even within a, a typical professional cycling team isn't always optimal and then they live often partly in Norway partly down in southern Europe somewhere so then they have local medical programs also looking after them and also within the national program they have a doctor and a physiotherapist so at any given point they may have four or five doctors and four or five physios that they have to relate to so the big question for them is who is actually seeing the big picture over time and who is it that's keeping records and so that's really the value that we can add for our top stars. And then you asked which programs could this otherwise be appropriate for? Well, of course, anything similar to an, an Olympic program or the other Olympic programs around the world, of course, but then other environments where there are challenging, in challenging situations like we have with large, diverse groups of athletes that travel all over the world and are, are geographically dispersed. And then in some degree of professional sports, it really depends on the level of the sport. I think in professional team sports like elite football, you would hope that the medical staff have very good control at all times of their players' health situations. But I, I guess you don't have to go too low before you have part-time staff, too many divisions down before the staff don't have such good control over the, uh, the medical situation at all times and I think then we, we could be offering some value doing the same kind of approach that we're doing. That's great so maybe it's a top-down and bottom-up approach mm. that this and, could work for. And certainly in elite uh, national teams for example where they have athletes coming in and out of a national program or di disappearing back to their clubs and then coming in for training camps and that what have you, I think there's also a great value there. What would you say the solid top three take-home messages are? We are dealing with a very challenging group to conduct surveillance on but with the methods that we use I think we've shown that it is actually possible to do this and I think that's probably the first big point is that just because it's challenging doesn't mean it's impossible it just means that you have to use appropriate methods to do it and you need to I think the key factor for us is having access to a very devoted medical staff that are actually able to follow up on these reports without that I think this system wouldn't work I think that an active approach to surveillance, so actually going out and directly contacting athletes and asking them regularly about their health situation can contribute to prevention it, and by this process of secondary prevention, so stopping small problems from becoming big ones. It's quite surprising when we, we go out and actually ask what's out there. I mean, we're, we're, we're surprised all the time at uh, athletes that uh, just continue to participate despite these ongoing problems. And the third point, I think a successful system of surveillance needs to be mutually beneficial. It can't be data collection. It can't just be research or it needs to be beneficial for athletes and beneficial for coaches as well as beneficial for the day-to-day -day medical staff, not just the researchers. Okay, that's really interesting. So thank you very much for your time, Ben. Thanks very much, Lee.
So you've been listening to a BGSM podcast with Ben Clarson on injury and illness surveillance in elite athletes. We've been speaking at the IOC Advanced Team Physician course here in Doha, which has been supported by Aspital. The IOC are also running sports nutrition and sports medicine diplomas, and there's also soon to be coming a sports physiotherapy diploma, which Ben is one of the directors. You can also follow BGSM on Google+, Facebook and Twitter with the handle at BGSM underscore BMJ. And that leads me to say, I hope you have a very physically active day.